You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 16th, talking Pirates baseball today with Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter for MLB.com. And Adam, I I tried and tried to find something newsworthy to talk about uh, with you today. Uh, I had to dig really deep into the archives to find you know something worth discussing, and I, I think I found a, a couple of items, of course. It has been a week unlike any other <laughs> for the for the Pirates uh, in terms of off-seasons go. Uh, Garrett Cole, an Astro, Andrew McCutcheon, a Giant, uh, Felipe Rivero, still a Pirate. He'll be a Pirate for a little while longer. But Josh Harrison, uh, in light of the recent trades of uh, two of his comrades, has now demanded a trade of his own uh, if the Pirates are not going to be a legitimate contender. So, Adam, a lot to digest here. I think the logical place to start, though, is with uh, Andrew McCutcheon, even though Cole was traded first. But, of course, you know, you're talking about McCutcheon Face of the franchise, a former MVP, five-time All-Star. He is no longer a uh, Pittsburgh Pirate. And I'm always interested to get the the fan reaction to trades like this because on one hand, and we've talked about this in recent weeks and recent months, really, I think fans had resigned themselves to the fact that at some point, Andrew McCutcheon was going to be traded entering his uh, age 32 season, I believe. Uh, You know, he had a bounce back 2017, a a down 2016. But I think, you know, on one hand, you condition yourself to think that, you know, this guy is going to be an ex-pirate at some point. When the trade happens and it's there in black and white and it's official and he's now a member of another team, sometimes the way you think you're going to react is not the reality of it because you feel all sorts of different emotions. And I know that... You know, the the feedback and the reaction to this trade has not been good. A lot of Pirates fans saying, I'm swearing off the team. I'm not giving this franchise a, another penny of my earnings because they just traded a guy that, you know, grew up with this franchise and became an MVP, became such a pillar of the region, of the community, and just, just did so many things on and off the field. So, again, from the fan perspective, what are you kind of feeling is, is the temperature of the fan base right now following this shocking but not shocking trade of Andrew McCutcheon? It's still real bad because at this point, you know, the emotions sort of get the better of you. You know, you can still be rational and say, all right, it's likely that Andrew McCutcheon is not going to finish his career as a Pirate just based on the small market stuff, based on basically every indication that we've had to this point. You know, we were talking about trade rumors a year ago. You would think at that point that it sort of became realistic, but you're right. It doesn't prepare you for the day that it happened, and I think that was pretty obvious in the fan reaction, which has been really negative. You know, in some cases, violently negative. To just the just the state of the organization, as much as anything, I think is, you know, you knew one day McCutcheon wasn't going to be a pirate. I guess at least in the back of your mind, but then to see it happen and kind of the way it happened right after the coal trade that, you know, had some negative response as well. Even as you know, some people in the industry. Uh, started to come around a little bit more positively to that trade. This one comes out, and you see, all right, the Pirates get a, a reliever and an outfield prospect who they liked more than anybody in the Giants system. That said, the Giants still don't have a very well-regarded uh, farm system, so you know it's hard to say you've got the Giants' fourth or fifth best prospect and you know a reliever for 
this guy, you know, for Andrew McCutcheon. I think if you remove the name and you say, all right, 31-year-old corner outfielder who's had more bad months than good months over the last two years, and you're getting, you know, a a hard-throwing potential setup man and potentially an everyday outfielder in a couple of years, and you say, all right, it makes some sense from a baseball perspective. But emotionally, there's just not going to be any way, honestly, for people to reconcile losing Andrew McCutcheon and having to go see him play for another team because, as you said, he's, you know, an exemplary person on and off the field. He was the guiding light sort of for this franchise, leading them out of a 20-year losing streak back into the postseason three straight years. And he was really one of the best players in the organization's long history. And he was 14th in wins above replacement for the Pirates at the time that he left. So there's a lot there just emotionally that I think is hard to reconcile. We'll find out in time if the baseball trade part of it works out well for him. But I think it's just going to be hard for people to handle the idea of Andrew McCutcheon in another uniform. And it's even more bizarre, I guess, in the sense that the Pirates' last great player, you know, the player who'd say Andrew McCutcheon is the greatest Pirate since, was Barry Bonds, who was also a National League MVP, who went to join the Giants, had a great, obviously an incredible end to his career there. And then that is what actually set off this next losing streak. There's kind of a little bit of deja vu going on for Pirates fans right now. So all of this coming together at the same time, it's been uh, pretty tough here in Pittsburgh. I'll say, uh, and you brought up a great point in that if you remove the name and you simply look at the particulars, the attributes of you know the, the the assets that switch sides, as you said, on one hand, 31-year-old corner outfielder, his defense has fallen off a cliff. The, the offense, obviously, not what it once was uh, as recently as two, three years ago. You ship that to one side. On the other side, they return you a couple of, uh, you know, in some people's eyes, middling prospects. You, you might say, well... That's a fair swap, but but again, when you put in the names and you say the name Andrew McCutcheon, the emotions uh, you know play into it, and that's what we're seeing here from the fan base. So I think that's that's an excellent point by you. What I want to get your take on is that you know you could say on one hand, well, we got the Giants, you know, fourth and fifth best prospects, but the Giants' fourth and fifth best prospects are not going to be as highly valued as a team with a more advanced farm system because the Giants, you know, in the last couple of years have had one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Is that an indictment on McCutcheon's skills and McCutcheon's value And that this was probably, I mean, it had to be the best offer that was on the table to get a return for McCutcheon? Yeah, and not just that, but the Pirates actually kicked in and reported $2.5 million right. of his $14.5 million salary to get those two guys and then 500000 international bonus pool space. So, it says a lot, I guess, more about probably just what a corner outfielder gets with one year of control remaining. I mean, look back at the trade deadline, and people weren't exactly bowled over by uh, what the Tigers got from the Diamondbacks for J.D. Martinez, and I'd argue J.D. Martinez is a better hitter at that point. So, you know, that was half a season as opposed to a full season where you can get a, a compensatory draft pick at the end of the year. But I think it's just sort of about – you know, years of control really matter right now. Adam Eaton got the hole that he did last season for the White Sox from the Nationals because the Nationals had him for five years. You know, Jose Quintana got that massive return uh, for the White Sox uh, from the Cubs at last trade deadline because he came with three and a half years of club control, not the two that Garrett Cole came with uh, this offseason. So years of control matter. You know, recent uh, production obviously matters. And then I think it's just, you know, at this point, if, if teams got the sense that, the Pirates were ready to move on, and they were ready to move Cole, and 
the fact that they moved Coleman, they were ready to move McCutcheon, you know, they, they could sort of pounce on a deal. And, you know, the Pirates like the guys they got. They think Crick could be a setup. Kyle Crick could be a setup man uh, in a relatively near future. They think Reynolds was the best uh, prospect they could get in the Giants' farm system. I think our MLB pipeline guys put him number four in the Pirates system, which is getting better and gotten better over the weekend. So there's some potential there. It's just that, you know, gone are the days of really bowling over teams and making, you know, quote-unquote dumb trades anymore because front offices are so smart. They're so driven by data, and they all think so similarly now that it's just really hard for teams now to be perceived as winning a trade when you're giving up the proven commodity. Now the team getting the proven commodity more often than not is going to be viewed as winning the trade. Yeah, it's a totally different landscape, a totally different mindset as compared to, you know, five, uh, ten years ago. Uh, things have certainly changed. We could discuss Andrew McCutcheon, Adam, for another uh, 20 minutes, but we have a lot to, <laughs> to get to on our plate today. Uh, so let's shift to Garrett Cole now. And I, I found it interesting you said at the top of the podcast that when that trade first happened, the reaction was uh, was rather harsh uh, simply for the fact that, you know, not that he is nearly as beloved a figure as Andrew McCutcheon, but but just for the fact that the return that the Pirates got from the Astros was rather underwhelming. But you said that some fans and even some media have begun to come around a little bit on that return. So what has kind of uh, shifted the tide here? Yeah, I think when people see the return for Cole, they just the question was basically where's the star? Where's the star in that four-player package they got from the Astros? And there really might not be one. There's not a top 100 prospect uh, in that package. It was right-hander Joe Musgrove, who's going to go right into the rotation. Third baseman Colin Moran, who's going to be their starting third baseman right away. Uh, it's right-hander Michael Feliz, who's going to go in their bullpen along with Crick. And then it's uh, kind of a middling potential fourth outfield prospect, uh, Jason Martin, who's probably going to go to double or triple A. So there's not star value, but there's it's quantity over quality, essentially. And part of the problem is the reporting that leads up to all of these trades. You hear these names that we even talked, we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times. You know, you hear Clint Frazier and Miguel Andahar in the same trade, and then it comes out and you say, well, why didn't they get those guys? And the reality, as I found out in the days since the trade, is that a lot of those guys weren't available. And the Yankees, the Pirates could have gotten Clint Frazier or Chance Adams. Andahar wasn't available. Glaber Torres was never available, and they knew it. Uh, some of the other guys that were talked about weren't available. Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley weren't available from the Astros. Neither was Derek Fisher. So the Pirates opted instead of you know trying to get one prospect and then just filling out the trade for a quantity of guys who have high floors and are ready to contribute soon. They've proven some value, which means you're getting that high floor, even if their ceiling isn't quite as high. And I think the industry has come around on recognizing that, you know, you need to have some depth on your team, on your 25-man roster, and even below that, so it's part of what's made the Dodgers so effective over the last two years is that they have depth beyond belief at this point. But the Pirates are trying to do that on a budget, so they're going out and they're filling out the roster. They're getting, you know, regular contributors, even if they're not stars. Um, and I think the idea that, you know, the lack of star power for a name, you know, for a quote-unquote ace like Garrett Cole is what sort of set some fans off, just that that didn't happen. But the other reality that I think has set in, and this is something that I've reported, is that the industry didn't value Garrett Cole as the number one starter. The industry valued Garrett Cole as a guy who has number one potential, but you're dealing the last two years of production, which includes injuries, a home run spike, and a roughly league average ERA, just as much as you're dealing that ace potential. And it's two years of him, not like I said earlier, three and a half years of Jose Quintana, 
So it's not, you know, you're not dealing Chris Sale's production. You're not dealing Jose Quintana's uh, club control. You're dealing what you're dealing. And the Pirates got what they felt was the best return for it. And I, I think there's some value to the idea of quantity over quality. The problem and probably the most valid criticism of what they've done over the last three days is I don't necessarily see where that high-level talent to replace McCutcheon, to replace Cole is coming from, unless it comes from within their their own system, which does still exist. Austin Meadows still has a ton of potential. Mitch Keller will be here in a year or two. You know, the high-level talent is there. It's just that they're not really adding to it. They're adding good talent, proven talent, just not quite that high-end uh, type prospect value that people would expect in big trades like this. Yeah, there isn't that that slam dunk guy that you look at and say, okay, here's the centerpiece, here's the star, and this is the justification for giving up a guy like Garrett Cole. But again, as you said, you know, it's kind of the same exercise we just did with McCutcheon. If you take the name out of the equation and you look at a guy whose ERA plus last year was 101, and for those mm-hmm. uninitiated, that means he was 1% better than a league average pitcher. If you just, you know, take that, take that little nugget and trade it over and then you look at what you got in return, you can make a very good case that the Pirates, at least on paper, won this trade. And Mm -hmm. you look at it from the Astros' perspective, you know, whereas Garrett Cole was the de facto ace of this staff, he is no more than a number three in Houston. He's going to be obviously behind Verlander, obviously behind Keuchel. So, you know, could you look at it from that perspective as a win-win for both sides? I think for sure. You know, the Pirates are going to get what they want out of it, which is 15 years of club control or more from guys who could at the very least be major league average. Uh, And the Astros are going to get, uh, you know, a number three starter who's going to give them 200 innings unless he's hurt. And he's probably going to be at least average and he could be an ace. You know, they could roll into the postseason with three or four aces on that staff. And, you know, they're only going to get him for two years. The difference really from the Astros' perspective, the reason that it's hard to see them losing it for many uh, point of view is just that the guys the Pirates got didn't really have roles over the next two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Colin Moran was blocked by Bregman. Uh, Musgrove was going to be in the bullpen. Feliz is kind of expendable as a reliever. So the the Astros kind of gave up what are what are viewed as spare parts from their roster. But their roster just won the World Series. It's a pretty good <laughs> by roster. <the> way. <laughs> so the Pirates the Pirates got you know in Colin Moran a potential everyday third baseman who showed really encouraging power last year. If he just turns in. To six years of an everyday, you know, 20 home run third baseman who plays good enough defense, and Joe Musgrove is a back end starter, and Michael Feliz is a middle reliever, the Pirates get value out of that trade. And again, if, if the team that they were carrying out of last season into this offseason didn't have a chance to contend and they didn't believe it did, then it wouldn't matter if you have Garrett Cole or not. Garrett Cole probably wasn't the difference between that team making the World Series or not, which is something Neil Huntington said. Uh, last night or you know last night when he was talking about the Andrew McCutcheon trade so I think it's possible that both sides could very well win the trade it's just that our nature is to crown a winner and a loser after every deal yeah I mean that's that's the nature of the beast uh and and right now as as you said you know when that trade first went down Pirates fans uh, up in arms but uh you know a lot of people have begun to come around and then you get hit with the the McCutcheon bomb and everybody's up in arms <laughs> all over again so a very whirlwind emotional couple of days uh, for the Pirates fan base as uh, two uh, marquee names for that team are going to be playing elsewhere in 2018. Uh, as we come down the home stretch here, uh, you mentioned that Colin Moran is probably going to slide into that third base role, and that could be important because, uh, as you clued me into before we hit the record button, <laughs> Josh Harrison has uh, demanded a trade if the Pirates are not going to be contenders this year. So what is going on with him? Is he going to be the next guy out the door? 
Yeah, I kind of expected even before that news came out and Harrison released a statement to uh, Ken Rosenthal of MLB Network and The Athletic, in classic Harrison fashion, even the statement was very polite. I think he said perhaps it would be better for all parties involved <laughs> if the Pirates don't expect to contend this year and next year uh, that they uh, let him uh, move on or that they consider trading him. It was all worded very politely, which is classic Josh Harrison. Right. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of made sense for the Pirates to look to move him anyway just because he is valuable. He could bring back more potentially good prospects. Uh, you know, he fills a lot of teams' needs. Versatile guy, second and third baseman, about a league average bat. Um, you know, he's proven. He's done it all. He has high upside. In 2014, he was an all-star, an all-star last year. Uh, so there's a lot of value there. Right now, he was their starting second baseman, and he was probably going to help out a little bit at third base. But uh, honestly, the sense I got was they were pursuing trades for him anyway. This might expedite the process, and if anything, it might cost them leverage in trade discussions, which is the worst thing that could happen to yeah. them right now. Um, just because Harrison has made it pretty clear that you know if they're not going to contend uh, in 2018 or 19, he wants out. Now the counter argument is the Pirates could sway him by saying, "Listen, we're going to compete in 2018, probably not realistically contend, but if everything goes right and this talent comes through and we make the right moves on the market, we could be back in it and contending in 2019." And if they deliver that message to him, maybe he takes a step back from this. But either way, at this point, I would kind of expect a trade. Uh, Harrison is their highest paid player, $10.25 million. He's also their longest tenured player uh, since Andrew McCutcheon has been dealt, which is really kind of remarkable to think about. Made his major league debut in 2011. Um, so I would not be at all surprised if Josh Harrison is the next guy out. But I would also expect the Pirates to kind of deliver that message that says, hey, 2019 contention is not necessarily out of the question. Hang with us, mentor these young kids, you know, unless they find a trade, which I'd imagine they're, they're working to do at the moment right now. So we'll see that. We'll see where that one goes. I don't know where the market is, but like I said, he could help out a lot of teams just given his versatility and, you know, a relatively affordable contract, three years of club control, but two of them are option years. So if a team wants out, they're able to make it, uh, to make it work on their end as well. But yeah, it would not surprise me if Harrison, who's you know best friend of McCutcheon on the team, is playing somewhere else uh, this time come spring training. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll monitor that one as well. Uh, a big time crossroads ahead for Jay Hay and for the Pirates organization, and maybe by this time next week. Uh, We'll have an answer, or at least more clarity on the situation. Adam didn't even have a chance to talk about <laughs> the extension that Felipe Rivera signed. We'll, we'll put that on the back burner, save it for next week because there's a lot going on. And uh, just minutes from now, as we speak on this Tuesday afternoon, Andrew McCutcheon addresses the Giants uh, and the San Francisco media uh, for the first time as a member of his new team. That is on your to-do list, so we'll let you get to that. But, uh, Adam, great stuff today as always. We thank you for the time, and we will uh, do it again next week in the meantime. Time Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates.